0: I know words, I have the best words. Nobody knows the system better than me, which is why I alone can fix it. Hello, hello. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to a brand new episode peddling fiction. I of course am your host, the purveyor of so-called fiction, Johnny Profita. And I must say there was quite a bit of fiction being peddled last night at yet another Democratic debate. Um, if you didn't watch any of that, you didn't miss much. The, the week before was the, the one debate that everybody should have seen because it was the only one that was remotely entertaining. This past one, it was kind of a shit show, as most of them have been. It really devolved into a lot of bickering, a lot of uh, talking over each other. You could tell that all of these candidates are just getting so desperate to try to make a name for themselves and, and edge ahead right before you know, the the Super Tuesday, or whatever the hell they call it. And um, there, there's so much wrong being said. Throughout these debates that it's almost impossible to do a show recapping them and sort of covering the topics at this point, because within a five minute period, there's two or three podcasts worth of material to debunk everything that they're saying that is wrong. So it's very frustrating for me in that sense where I want to go through everything that they talk about and and explain where they're going wrong on all of these topics. But in order for me to do that, I would have to dedicate four podcasts just to get through one of these debates because they cover too many damn topics. Like I always say, pick one topic. If we're going to have 25 of these debates, just pick one. Pick one topic and focus on it. And then I can focus one episode on telling you how every single one of these candidates has it wrong. But um, in terms of how all the candidates did, you know bloomberg didn't get his ass kicked as hard as he did the week before but man he is he is really not good at these debates he was trying to be kind of funny i guess he had a couple of jokes that he was trying to make that just really didn't land it was like watching a comedian just bomb on stage and it, it, even he thought he had some like really clever attacks that were just pretty awful nothing really landed Elizabeth Warren tried to go after him again a couple times. She's still harping on these non-disclosure agreements. And its I just wish Bloomberg, you know, if you've got the F.U. money, just say F.U. and explain why you signed these non-disclosure agreements. Just be honest about it, okay? Chances are he's being shaken down by some disgruntled employees, And I I do believe that a lot of them probably have nothing to do with him. He's got 20,000 employees, for Christ's sake, okay? And if any one of them uh, gets upset at their boss or something like that, or just they they don't like being fired or whatever, they, they can sue... You know, they sue the the company, and it's Bloomberg who's who's at stake there. It's not like if uh, one of his underlings, you know, some middle manager somewhere, sexually harasses somebody. It's not like that employee sues Joe the manager. No, they they sue Bloomberg. Okay, and non disclosure ag- agreements provide a lot of uh, different um, benefits. It's not just about keeping the story under wraps. It, it keeps. If they settle out of court, it keeps the settlement amounts out of the press so it doesn't encourage future people to sort of shake down the the, the company with all these bullshit lawsuits. And, you know, who knows? There there could be some legitimate beefs that people had. Uh, I, I'm not discounting that. But, but this whole, like, believe all women thing, that's ridiculous, okay? Employees, it's so easy now for employees to just... Sue their employers for any number of reasons. This is why it's so expensive to hire people. And it's one of the riskiest things you can do. I've talked about that in prior uh, podcast episodes. One of the riskiest things you can do is hire somebody because you open yourself up to all sorts of lawsuits. And what are you going to do? You're going to go to court and spend hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of dollars defending yourself against some bullshit claim, or are you going to sell out of court for 10, 20, 30 grand? It, yeah, it just depends, and it, it sounds like uh, Bloomberg's going to cave to all this pressure, and and he's gonna he's gonna just stop doing these NDAs, and um, you know w- we'll see what happens. It's not like he doesn't have the money to fight it in court, but um, yeah, I don't know. I guess he can now take principled stands. And, and, and go to court and fight all these lawsuits. And I, you know, we can see how many of them are frivolous and how many aren't. I know people that work for Bloomberg, and um, they are very happy there. Maybe that's anecdotal, but I think overall his company has a very good reputation for paying their employees a lot of money, giving them a lot of time off. They get a ton of maternity leave, things like that. He's, uh, he's very progressive with. So I, I don't understand why he doesn't fight back. He's such a puss up there. And he's just got, I don't know, if I had $60 billion, <laughs> you know, I would be throwing my weight around like I actually had $60 billion, Not just uh, sitting up there like a little sheep. And apparently $60 billion does not buy you a, a sense of humor <laughs> or any uh, skills at these debates. Because his jokes were terrible. Uh, I'm not even going to try to repeat them, but and I didn't pull the audio, but you'll probably see him around on Twitter or something. Bernie Sanders was under took a little bit of flack, you know they were hitting him for his prior praising of all these socialist dictators rightfully so and it, you know he didn't have a great response to it he He sort of like started to point to Obama like Obama said good things about Cuba, and yeah, they have this great education program, literacy program. Listen, all of these numbers coming out of communist countries are bullshit, okay? They're bullshit. If I, I saw somebody posted these ridiculous stats about Cuba, like, oh, they had zero unemployment, 99.9% literacy, like they, their life expectancy was like seven years longer than the U.S. If all of that stuff was true, why are people fashioning rafts out of uh, milk jug containers and... And going across the ocean, risking getting eaten by a shark to get the hell out of that country, if everything's so wonderful there. Just think about it for two seconds. It, it's, all, it's all just ridiculous, but Sanders didn't have any good responses to this, and it was the first time that anybody actually attacked him on any of his socialist nonsense. They had him you know they got him for the, the math on all his Medicare for all you know, some like 50 trillion dollars. <laughs> He's like, "Oh, it's over 10 years." Okay, you realize that that's doubling the size of our government. Our entire government right now spends $5 trillion a year on everything, and he wants to tack on another $5 trillion just for this uh, Medicare program. Okay, we're already running trillion-dollar deficits. We can't afford anything. How is that going to work? Just doubling the size of the largest government the world has ever seen just for your Medicare for All program. And believe me, any estimates that they have in terms of cost are wildly inaccurate, just like all their other uh, estimates. They've never come in under budget. That's not what government does. It's just really frustrating to watch. I don't know. But it it just shows you how vulnerable he is if people actually attack him. And they didn't even do a really good job of that. They they let him just go on these rants, and he just starts yelling and screaming and then... um, you know people try to talk over each other, and then the moderators have to, who did do a terrible job of of trying to control things last night um you know they just kind of let it go or then they cut it off and they move on to the next question. A lot of stupid questions out there, and apparently everything is racist too that that was the other thing they were um allowing some live questions from Twitter if you use the right hashtag I tried to ask. What wasn't racist, but uh, they didn't ask that question. Apparently, everything is. Loans are racist. Banks are racist. Everything the government does is racist. Everything every business does is racist. Even though uh, that Tom Steyer guy or whatever he, that, that billionaire, he's back in. He was back on the debate stage talking about how he, he started a bank just to make loans to to black and brown people. You know, they were all pandering to to uh, minorities in this one because this is the first primary in South Carolina coming up that has a, a, a big black vote up for grabs and so he's pandering but it just he, he goes like oh all these racist banks and we, we can't trust the, the, the private sector with any of this stuff that's why I privately started my personal bank to to make sure that all these poor people black and brown people got loans it's like well, okay well, you just prove proved my point you you have people if if there's a market for it that that will step in and give them loans but they they went on all this housing stuff and i i don't have time to get into it today but i will i will prepare an episode about redlining and the housing crisis and and banks loaning to poor people i've already talked about this in, in somewhat in depth when i've been covering the uh 2008 uh housing financial crisis but um, th- there's just so much wrong going on at these debates. And I, like I said, at the top of the show, I, I can't cover everything cause I'll be here all day. Um, who else was up there? Yeah. You had mayor Pete, you know, he did his mayor Pete thing, you know, he, he's still just like Bernie Sanders. He tried to go after Bernie Sanders and Bernie Sanders can just sort of filibuster by yelling and screaming and turning beet red and mayor Pete, you know, he's all the cool as a cucumber up there. And uh, he just can't get a word in edgewise. I don't know. I don't know. And Elizabeth Warren, like I said, she was going after Bloomberg. I don't know why she keeps attacking Bloomberg. Is he really that big of a threat? He's got no delegates yet. He hasn't been participating in any of these primaries. He had a horrible first debate. Go after Bernie Sanders. That's who you need to take down. Bernie Sanders crushed it in Nevada. Crushed it got like 40-something percent of the vote. Oh, Joe Biden, I almost forgot about Sleepy Joe, he's surprised to the upside in Nevada. He came in second. But he came in such a far-distant second, it was like coming in fifth place. It was just that there was, there was such a gap between Bernie Sanders and everybody else that apparently getting uh, 20% and nine delegates puts you in second place. It, so, it didn't really matter. It was really just Bernie and then everybody else. E- even though that was a second place finish, it couldn't have felt like a second place finish to Joe Biden. But he did surprise. I didn't even think he would do that. I, I, I didn't think Bernie would win by that big of a margin. But I, I didn't see Biden even coming in uh, a third place finish. So, he surprised a little bit to the upside. But man, he didn't get much for his second place finish. And his hopes and dreams are now riding on South Carolina and we'll see what happens you know he's still somewhat leading in the polls going in but he he's collapsed in in the last couple of days he had a much bigger lead than he did and he's really depending on that a strong showing from the the black community to um put him over the top if he doesn't if he doesn't finish in first i, d- I don't know what he's going to do he should really just suspend his campaign it, it's pretty much over at this point but i don't think he will I don't think he will. He might be too stubborn. And like I said, I think the whole point of all of this, the whole point of Bloomberg, the whole point of, of Biden at this point is just to stay in the race, siphon off as many delegates as they can from Bernie Sanders, and try to get this to go to a contested convention. You're really seeing... One of the interesting things to watch this past week, especially after Nevada was... The mainstream media, the corporate press, the establishment Democrats freaking out about Bernie Sanders. And they're, it's finally starting to dawn on them that, like, oh, Bernie Sanders has taken over our party. Like, like it's his. It's exactly what happened with the Republicans in 2016, where they, they didn't think Donald Trump had a chance. Nobody thought Donald Trump had a chance. And then all of a sudden, he just starts steamrolling people. And they slowly but surely have to come to terms with the fact that they've lost control of this thing. And the one person that they didn't want to be garnering this much support and enthusiasm was Donald Trump with the Republicans and Bernie Sanders with the Democrats. And I mean, he's just getting he's getting attacked relentlessly in the media by like uh, all of those talking heads on MSNBC, CNN, CNN. He keeps getting like all of his supporters are getting called Nazi or compared to Nazis. Now, every time they use an analogy, it's always to something that Nazi Germany did, which is pretty unbelievable when you think about it. And it's just like everything's a, a Russia conspiracy and a Nazi, uh, something connected to the Nazis now. And they did the same thing with Trump. And now they're doing it with Bernie. And it just goes to show you that it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. if Everybody that puts on a MAGA hat is a Nazi. All right? And, you know, he only got elected because of Russia interference, and now Bernie Sanders gets pulled aside by the, the same um, operatives that, that attempted the deep-state coup on Donald Trump with all that Russian nonsense, are telling Bernie Sanders that Russia is trying to influence the election to get him the primary uh, nomination. And all of his supporters are being referred to, the Bernie bros. They, every time they bring them up, it's, it's in reference to something that the Nazis did. It's pretty incredible. And you got to wonder what kind of effect that has on his supporters. Maybe, you know, if they weren't out there, if all these Bernie bros weren't out there calling everybody else Nazis all the time, you might think that they would t- take a step back and it might dawn on them be like, oh, Shit, I've been calling these guys Nazis just because they put on a red hat and they want to, you know, they want to put America first or whatever, and they like Donald Trump. And now I'm being called a Nazi by the same people that were calling them Nazis. And maybe, you know, maybe I had this wrong. Maybe I shouldn't be so quick to just call somebody a Nazi, but I don't think they will have that sort of level of uh, introspection. Uh, let's see. What else? What else as far as that debate goes? You know, it was really, really tough to watch. I I almost turned it off about halfway through. But I figured I had a duty and a responsibility to push on through, as they say, for your sake. You know, I watched the debates so that you don't have to. Um, oh, there was one other pretty hilarious, um... Elizabeth Warren a, a, attempted attack at, at uh, Mayor Bloomberg, former Mayor Bloomberg, whatever, where she tried to go after him for... A, 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 he allegedly said to... Uh, he told this girl to get an abortion or something. <laughs> and um, she, she sort of feigned this outrage. And then she told that same bullshit story about when she was pregnant and she got fired for her from her like school job or whatever, her teaching job, which turned out to be complete bullshit. And she was going around like, I don't know, four or five months ago telling this story in, in the exact same way. You know, they wish me luck and they set me on my way or whatever. And they, there's all these clips of her saying the exact same thing at every single rally. Oh, these politicians are just so despicable. But it turned out that that was just complete bullshit. And she even went, she's got the balls to say that uh, even after it's been proven false in these debates and feign this outrage at Bloomberg telling this girl to get an abortion. I mean, I don't know. Uh, They asked her what evidence she had for that. And Elizabeth Warren's like, well, the girl said so. So it's her word. And Bloomberg's like, that's patently false. I never said anything like that against his word. All right, so it's a he said, she said. I don't know. But I'm just sitting here thinking to myself, since when are Democrats against abortions? They love abortions. They idolize people that get abortions. They celebrate people that get abortions. And now, allegedly, Mayor Bloomberg said, oh, you should kill your baby. And um, now all of a sudden she's offended. I, I don't know. Well, where did that come from? Well, last I heard, the Democrats were, uh, were supporting late-term abortions up to the point and after the point of birth in New York. They would deliver the baby. This isn't a verbatim quote, but I'm going from memory. But this is the essence of it: they'll deliver the baby, and then the doctor will have a discussion with the mother as to what to do with it. <laughs> okay, so they will have they will have a live person, and you know, there's like a five second rule or whatever. And you can, as long as you um, discuss it with the mother first, you can um, feel free to uh, rub them out after the fact. And um, now she's going to feign outrage at, at Bloomberg, allegedly telling somebody to get an abortion. You just can't make this stuff up. Oh, and then Amy Klobuchar, you know, she did her whole, the, the exact same thing. She's just so shaky up there. She's got, like, Parkinson's. <laughs> I don't know, she's terrible. They're all terrible at this. They're all terrible at this. I still think Bernie Sanders has the best shot at, at, at taking on Donald Trump just because he can yell and scream. Joe Biden tries to to mimic the same sort of passion, but it's like it's sort of like what would come across with Hillary Clinton. Like she sort of her lack of passion. She just sort of raises the volume of her voice as if you just start yelling. That means you're passionate about something. And Joe Biden was doing the same thing. Anyway, uh, that's enough of the debates. I don't want to talk about that anymore today. Um I'm sure there's going to be plenty more material coming up with the South Carolina primary and then the Super Tuesday thing coming up next week. So um, I, I had a couple of articles in the stack today that kind of caught my eye. The first thing I just want to talk about real briefly, because I haven't really mentioned it on the show at all, is the, this whole coronavirus thing. And I'm seeing all these headlines now. And I don't want to get into the, the whole origins of this thing and where this disease got, and whether or not this is like uh, there, there's all these conspiracy theories circulating and there's no shortage of uh, places that you can go to to get uh, a podcast talking about that. Um, but I just saw a headline this morning that the, the Dems politicized coronavirus outbreak by proposing an eight and a half billion dollar rescue package. And now Donald Trump's talking about uh, he may appoint a coronavirus czar to oversee the federal response, and I just this sort of thing is driving me crazy. I I do think that this coronavirus is overblown. They do this every couple of years with these viruses. You know, it was czars, and then it was uh, like the the bird flu, Zika, you had Ebola, and. The media just runs wild with these things. You know, my general rule of thumb is when the media is trying to stoke fear and they're pumping up these diseases to be like the end of the world, you know, pandemic everywhere, we're all going to die kind of thing, then you generally don't have anything to worry about, okay? It's when the media starts to try to control the panic and, and they start to uh, rationalize things away, oh, nothing to see here, don't worry, this isn't that big of a deal, and they're trying to calm the American people, then then you know that something is really wrong. Uh, that's my general rule of thumb here. And Donald Trump's come out in the last couple of days to try to alleviate people's fear and panic about this, and I think that's more related to the stock market, because these the coronavirus has had a bigger effect like one of the the major effects of this has been on the supply chain of of goods coming out of China right and and we're so reliant on all these chinese factories to produce all of the cheap goods that we've been buying and since they've had to shut down all these factories in response to trying to contain this virus our, our markets are getting hit pretty hard the last couple of days the dow was down Almost a thousand points every day two days ago it closed down a thousand yesterday it closed down about nine hundred. I just pulled up a chart of it today and it's it's up a little bit it it's making back about three hundred points from the eight hundred and seventy or so that it was down yesterday and I'm looking at a chart and it you know if anybody doesn't know how to do technical analysis on on these um these bar graphs here, you should really look into maybe taking a quick course on it or something, because it is pretty helpful to to sort of be able to look at a chart and and analyze it a little bit. Because when I was looking at this yesterday, I saw we were still around 28,000, and I I was looking at the chart, and I could see support around the 27,000 mark, 27,200, 27,000, something like that. So that was where I was sort of expecting the the market to um, hold up. And sure enough, yesterday, the Dow closed at 27,073. All right. So it, right, it fell right into a structure uh, support area. And it looks like it might try to, to rally off of that. It's up a couple hundred points today. We'll see. Anyway, I'm getting off track here. The, uh, the markets have been panicking over this because, you know, companies are, are, are struggling to get their supplies in. And when you have an entire economy based off of the U.S. consumer buying things from China, if those things don't become available and factories can't get all the the parts and things to to build the things that we buy, that's going to start reflecting in our economic numbers. And so that's why I think Donald Trump is out there trying to alleviate people's fear. And you also have the Federal Reserve coming out and, and the most idiotic responses to this disease. And they're talking about cutting rates further. And if you think about that, it's just literally the dumbest thing. And it's the only tool that they have, though. All they can do is cut rates further. But the reason you would cut interest rates is to stimulate demand for goods and services. You want to try to get people to spend, to borrow and to spend, right? Now, demand is not the problem, as I just talked about. This is a supply problem coming out of China. Right. We, we can't get a supply of goods. The demand is there. The supply is what's lagging behind. So cutting rates to stimulate demand is not going to do anything for a supply-side problem in economics. But it's the only thing that they can do. So they're going to do that. and uh, you know We'll, we'll see. I, I've been talking about how this entire market, th- this entire economy is one big, ugly bubble, like Donald Trump said, and it's just been waiting for a pin to pop it. And this coronavirus may be the thing. Uh, This might be the the straw that breaks the camel's back. If we had a really strong economy, one that was economically and fundamentally sound, something like this virus would be rationalized away. It would be a short-term concern, and and people would would get over it quickly. We wouldn't be seeing thousand-point declines back-to-back days in the market if this was just a... A, a, a blip in the radar, a bump in the road, type of thing. But when you have an entire economy based off of nothing, a bunch of phoniness, uh, something like this could really uh, spiral into people realizing that th- that the uh, the emperor has no clothes, as they say. So, but back to the whole coronavirus thing and, and the the government's response to it and just government getting involved in the sciences. And I did have a, a, a tweet about this last night because they were talking during the debates. You know, one of the things you can do instead of watching the debates is just follow me on Twitter because I do tweet during them, and you're going to get more entertainment and educational value from my tweets than you will anything coming out of these candidates. But when you get government involved in sciences, they, they politicize everything. and That leads to the opposite of truth. The opposite of science. There are no truths in politics. You don't want the government involved in science at all. You're going to get the worst outcome ever. Not only are they influenced by all of these lobbyists that that lobby for their thing, like they, they will influence the science. You get things like the food pyramid, okay, and climate change science, which is very shoddy. The food pyramid, you wonder why we have so many fat fucks wandering around double-fisting cheeseburgers, drinking Big Gulps and things like that. Look at the food pyramid. They got it completely upside down. It says the thing you want to eat the most of is pasta and bread and grains and cereals. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. So they got that completely, all the modern-day science now, absent government involvement is telling you that the opposite is true all the 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 diets now the healthy diets now the primals the whole 30s the uh paleo stuff they're all no carbs uh high protein high fat root vegetables no sugar but the food pyramid sugar is fine you know because they, they got all these uh sugar lobbyists lobbying the government to 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 lie to you about the the effects of sugar on your diet. Uh, you don't want the government involved in science at all because you will never get truth from politicians okay um and what we have now with this response to the coronavirus and now you know Donald Trump said he was going to get two and a half billion. And Chuck Schumer is coming out and asking for eight and a half billion. Why, why, why is it always we need more money? What are they going to do with eight eight and a half billion dollars that they can't already do? I, I pulled up the CDC's budget. They got twelve billion dollars. What what was that for? What was that for if not to combat things like the coronavirus? Oh, hang on. They got a they have a pie chart. Okay, so they have twelve billion dollars. of it apparently goes to protecting Americans from infectious diseases, all right? 22% preventing the leading causes of diseases, disability, and death. Oh, they're doing a great job of that. And uh, 12% protecting Americans from the natural and bioterrorism threats. 7% keep Americans safe from environmental and work-related hazards. This is all not, they don't need, they don't need to be doing this monitoring health and ensuring laboratory excellence that's 7% 7% ensuring global disease protection so maybe that's a little low if this thing is going global maybe more of their budget needs to be dedicated to that i don't know but the one thing i do know is that the government will screw it up the government always screws it up so they have 12 billion why isn't that the 12 billion being used to fight this uh coronavirus why do they need another eight and a half why don't they have uh you know these things like they do this all the time with natural disasters and disease like these aren't sure maybe they're slightly unexpected but they're not like out of the realm of possibility okay and when it comes to natural disasters like we know for a fact there are going to be tornadoes there are going to be floods there are going to be hurricanes it should not like there should be a budget line item for that. It should not be like, oh, there was this hurricane. Who could have seen this coming during hurricane season? Now we need an additional twenty five billion dollars to save these people. No, that should already be in the budget. That should already be included and this eight and a half billion should have already been included. You have to expect that there will be diseases and that you will have to deal with them. This should not be coming out of left field. We've already, Like I just said, we already went through all these other diseases, right? You had Ebola, you had SARS, you had uh, Zika. They're all overblown. But now they're going to ask for more money. Okay, what are they going to do with that? Uh, what's the government possibly going to do besides screw it up? You see, in order to protect you, they have to control you, okay? So they're going to ask for more money, they're going to ask for more control, and we're never going to get it back. You never get it back. Once you give them that control, it's gone. You have to, that old saying where, you know, you can vote yourself into socialism, but you have to shoot your way out. The same holds true for whatever kind of government we have right now, which is closer to socialism than anything else. You know, this is just going to drive me absolutely insane, how they're going to ask for more money now, and they're going to use this as an excuse to usurp more power, who knows how far they're going to take this, but you never let a crisis go to waste and all these people panicking and and fearing for their lives that they don't want to get this disease, well, they're going to hand over those freedoms left and right because, you know, we're afraid. And the government will promise security. They will give you the false sense of security in exchange for just a little more of your freedoms, for just a little more of your independence, for just a little more money. And when you do that, you're making a deal with the devil. You're never going to get it back. And we need to learn our lessons from this. We need to learn our lessons. I don't know how bad this coronavirus really is. You know, if history is is any indication this is being way overblown, like Zika, bird flu, SARS, Ebola, they do this every couple of years. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's not. But we have to be very careful what sort of um, control we're going to hand over to these um, our wise overlords in Washington? Because once we do that, it will be gone, and you never know who's going to have control over it, because you can never predict who's who the, who the president's going to be. You know, and nobody worried about all these executive uh, overreaches when Obama was president, or at least none of the Democrats did, right? But now that uh, Donald Trump has the reins, look out. He's the worst thing since Hitler. You you have to be very careful what kind of freedoms you're willing to sacrifice for the little bit of security that the government promises you. And if you look around at all these other governments, it's not much security. They seem to be botching this left and right. It's, It's in Italy now, and Greece, and France, and it's all over the place. It's spreading like wildfire, according to the media. But I still can't get any information as to what... You know, they give you this death count. But who's really dying? Because they do this thing with the flu, too. All these people die from the flu. A lot more die from the flu, by the way, than anybody has died from this uh, coronavirus so far. But it's always old people. Old people... I know the, like the, Italy was reporting about like 12 deaths or something, right? And like three of them were cancer patients... Three of them were like over the age of 60. So it's, is this really that big of a concern? Or is it just, yes, you get, you get something that's like the flu and it can lead to pneumonia. And if your immune system is compromised, if you're very old or you're very young or you're very, already very sick and you're on cancer treatment, you're undergoing chemo, then yes, you should be worried about getting sick. But that goes for every illness. It's not just coronavirus. So I don't know, and who knows what the hell is going on in China. There's a, still a lot of questions out there, and I, like I said, I don't want to get into that whole thing. I'm, I'm going to wait for this to play out a little longer. You do want to see what happens in other countries. You want to see what happens in Italy, what happens in Greece now, what, what's going to happen in France, and um, the reaction that those governments have. Can give you some indication as to whether or not what's been going on in China is really um, on the level, so to speak, because there's been a lot of weird stuff going on in China and, and you never know what that government is really up to. Oh, the other story that's sort of been in the news, but it's I mean now it's a couple days old, so it's it's almost been like four news cycles ago, is the whole Roger Stone thing. And if you don't know, Roger Stone was just sentenced to, I think he got 40 months in prison for essentially lying to Congress, lying to the FBI. That Apparently he threatened somebody's cat or something like that. Um, but ba- basically, the vast majority of the charges amount to him lying to the government. And I, I just, I, I want to give my thoughts on this because it is outrageous what happened to this guy. And I don't really know Roger Stone. I don't listen to him. I don't follow any of his work. I know he's a big Trump supporter or whatever. That's irrelevant at this point, okay? There were so many people that came out, and initially these prosecutors recommended nine years for him in in prison, nine years for lying to Congress. That is, and there were people that were cheerleading that, and then when Donald Trump came out and he was like, that's ridiculous, and... And all these other people were, were, were criticizing it. The prosecutors resigned for these prosecutors resigned from the case. I think one quit his job entirely. I don't I I just can't imagine the the level of evil to want to throw somebody in a cage for essentially the rest of his life. I don't know, he's pretty old. Nine years. He might not have that time left. If he does, you know, he's gonna get out, he's gonna be a very old man. At the heart of libertarianism, at the heart of all of these laws that we pass, the more laws a a nation has, the more corrupt that nation is. But what you're saying when you pass a law is that I am willing to throw this person in a cage like an animal for violating this law. Because ultimately that's what it's going to come down to. Regardless of the law, it could be something as, as stupid as speeding okay or jaywalking. If you keep resisting, eventually they're going to throw you in a cage for jaywalking. You just have to progress to that point. The idea that lying to Congress should be a prosecutable uh, offense or any sort of uh, law against that is ridiculous. I mean, Congress lies to us all the time. Every politician lies to us all the time. And. They're supposed to, you know, in this whole fantasy that we tell ourselves that all these politicians, they work for us, right? They work for us. They're the servants. We're the masters. What in what universe can the can the boss not lie to his employees (laughs) like they can lie to us, but we can't lie to them. How's that work? How does that work? I mean, the FBI can lie to you left and right. They can lock you in a room for hours on end tell you all sorts of lies. They've got witnesses against you. They've got your friend in the other room and he's singing like a canary. They can lie to you. Well, why can't we lie to them? They, they did this with all of the people that were sort of in Trump's circle on this whole witch hunt for all this Russia collusion nonsense where if you haven't been paying attention, they got nothing on that. I mean, they got. I thought they might come up with some sort of dirt on Donald Trump they got absolutely nothing, okay? They have nothing on this whole Russia collusion thing. And everybody that they locked up for this, it was always for lying to the FBI, lying to Congress, obstruction of justice, all these n- bullshit charges that they come up with to, to sort of lock you in, into a corner, right? They, uh, they do this thing where they, they make you come down to the FBI and they talk to you for hours, Hours, like four or five hours, they ask you the most ridiculous details about like the most minute events that happened years ago. And if you get one little thing wrong, oh, lying to the FBI, oh, you faced 10 years in prison. Now, do you want to deal with us? Now that you're fa- now that you, we caught you in this lie, which could easily have just been you misremembering something, well, now we got you on that. And now we can really bend you over the barrel. And, and now we need you to cooperate. Otherwise, you're going to do 10 years. That, that's how these guys operate. It, it's shameful. It's despicable. They did this thing to Michael Cohen. He was lying to the FBI because he was off by a few months when they were, uh, when they were going to build Trump Tower in, uh, somewhere in Russia. Which never actually took place, but there was nothing illegal about it in the first place. Nothing illegal. And the plans were aborted. And he mixed up a few months from a project from years ago. That's what they got him for. That's what he got him for lying to Congress about the dates. He screwed up like June and July or something. Okay, January and June. They both start with a J. That's that's his big crime. You know, I, I work in uh, finance, and we get audited every year, which is another reason why I think it's so laughable where, where people talk about how we have unfettered capitalism, okay? Finan- the financial uh, sector is one of the most heavily regulated in our entire country, and we get audited every year. And they, they ask for all kinds of stuff, and you have to pull up, emails and and documents and stuff from over a year ago and try to recall what was going on six months ago, 12 months ago, when you do the same sort of thing every day, thousands of times a year, it's impossible to remember what the hell you said in an email a year ago, six months ago. You have to go back and read those emails and sort of jog your memory. I can't remember any of that stuff. If they interviewed me, if the FBI pulled me in and made me talk about my emails, no doubt I would screw something up. Would I be lying? No. No. I would just be misremembering things. This is just appalling. Absolutely appalling that they, they would throw somebody in a cage. I don't care who you are. Roger Stone, some Republican guy, some really liberal Democrat. Yet lying to Congress is insane. This is appalling. They're all lying to us. What about all the wars they lied us into? What about Clapper testifying in front of Congress about the uh, the NSA bulk data collection? I mean, just think about all the lies that are told by politicians. Obamacare, you know, you won't lose your plan. If you like your plan, you can keep your plan. If you like your doctor, you will keep your doctor. (laughs) You know, how do you think Obamacare would have gone over if he came out and was honest with you? If he didn't lie to your face. If he said, you know, you're going to lose your plan, you'll lose your doctor, it's going to cost trillions of dollars, and you'll be forced to buy it no matter what, and your premiums are going to skyrocket. You think we'd have Obamacare? Uh, But those lies, those are no problem. That's just politics. As always, we carve out these exceptions for politicians. When a politician lies, oh, you know, he's just playing politics. When some other Joe Schmo, civilian guy, lies and he's going against the state. He's an enemy of the state. He lies about the dates of a perfectly legal activity that never actually took place, could easily have just been an honest mistake. Well, then that's, you know, punishable by 10 years in prison or whatever. And James Clapper, I mean, that guy told a blatant lie to Congress. It could only be a lie. Only be construed as a lie and nothing else. I mean, there is zero chance that he did not know that the NSA was doing bulk data collection. And he straight up lied about it to Congress. And it's on tape. We all know about it. It turns out that they were um, illegally spying on, uh, on all the American people. It was the largest spying apparatus in the world. They're collecting all of our data in direct violation of the constitution that they all swore an oath to uphold. Nobody's even talking about bringing charges up against him or James Comey for that matter. He testified before Congress that he never leaked or authorized anybody to leak information. Turns out that was a complete lie. Anybody going after James Comey, anybody throwing him in a cage? No. Not interested. Not interested. This is the really scary thing about the state and why, like I said, with the the whole coronavirus thing, you have to be very careful what kind of control you're willing to turn over to your government because they can make all these laws that anyone could just be easily accidentally violating. There's so many laws now that the average person violates something like 10 or 12 of them just in their average day and they don't even know it. They can pass all of these laws that anyone can easily violate, and then they get to decide when they want to put the screws to you and who they want to put the screws to. So if you run afoul of the state, if you become a problem for them, well, then they have all this data that they've illegally collected that they can use against you. They've got thousands and thousands and thousands of rules and regulations that you've probably violated that they can use against you if they need it. It's just in their back pocket, and that's how they keep you in line. You remember when Obama was signing the NDAA? Probably not because it got almost no coverage. But I will never forget this because when he was signing it, there were some news coverage about how this... There was a lot of bad stuff. That's the National Defense uh, Authorization Act, by the way, for those of you not familiar with it. But there was all this stuff in there about how he could detain American citizens indefinitely without charges, basically throwing due process out the window. So many constitutional violations. But that was in there. And, and so he felt uh, an obligation to sort of come out and say, you know, my administration has uh, no plans. No plans to use these uh, NDAA regulations against the American people or something like that. And and I just remember thinking, okay, your administration might not have any plans. What about the next administration? What about the one after that? What about when I fall out of favor with the state and and I become a problem for them? Then are they going to have plans to use that against me? What about when you fall out of favor with the state? And this is why you have to be very careful. Roger Stone cooperated with their investigation. He voluntarily cooperated, provided them with everything they wanted, voluntarily gave his emails and all this other stuff that they asked for. And when you get interrogated by the FBI, like I said, when they lock you in a room for hours and ask you a million questions about the most mundane, minuscule details from things that happened years ago... And if you get any little detail wrong, you misremember a date, you forget something else, well, you're going to jail for a decade, for the rest of your life. That's what you get for cooperating and, and, and thinking that, oh, you know, I haven't done anything wrong. Here's what you asked for. Well, you have done something wrong. You're, a Donald Trump's, uh, you're in Donald Trump's circle. You're a Donald Trump supporter. The, the deep state doesn't like you the rest of the the establishment government, they don't like Donald Trump, they don't like you, so they're going to get you on something. This is just appalling. Lying to Congress. Unbelievable. And he's, you know, they, he got to reduce, the judge reduced the sentence, still gave him three and a half years, something like that, 40 months plus time served. That's still way too long. It's still way too long. This should not be an offense at all. You should be able to tell Congress to go fuck themselves. How about that? How about that? You should be able to lie through your teeth just like the way they lie to us. Why can they do something to us that we can't do to them? Who are they? Who who is working for who here? I mean, it should be obvious at this point that this fantasy we tell ourselves that they work for us is ridiculous. You hear this all the time from these bootlickers. Oh, the cops work for us. Oh, okay. Yeah. Congress works for us. Do they do they really? Do they really work for us, or are we just a bunch of subjects? And what do you think is going to happen if the Democrats get their way and they take our one weapon that's deterring them from completely owning us, which are our firearms and our right to defend ourselves? That's the only thing keeping them in check at this point. And that's one of the main reasons why I will never give mine up. You shouldn't either. Because if this is the way they treat us, when we can defend ourselves, when we still have some semblance of the Second Amendment there to deter them, imagine how they're going to treat us when they have all of our guns. I'm going to leave it there, guys, uh, on a high note, as usual. Uh, I, I, God damn it, I still want to get to the— I got some pretty good articles uh, on, about occupational licensing. And I, I, I will start the next show with this. I don't care what happens in the news because uh, I think it's, a, it's an important topic to talk about and it ties in a lot with the uh, last couple episodes I've, I've talked about with um, all these welfare programs and, and people not being able to get ahead in America. And I think there is a direct link between that and, lo and behold, some government policies and occupational licensing. So next episode, I will start with that. And if you liked what you heard here today, do me a favor, share the show, and give me a rating and review on iTunes. Five stars if you think the show is worth it. Follow me on Twitter at Pedal Fiction. And if you want to become a supporting member of the show, you can do that by going to pedalingfictionpodcast.com. Just remember that any dollar you donate to the show goes right back into the podcast. So help me create content and increase my reach. I'm not pocketing any of that money. So if you want to help me get this show out there to more people, if you want to get this message out to more people, you can do that by going to the website and supporting the show from there. And if you can do all that, I will be back in a couple of days with a brand new episode. Until then, just remember to keep on peddling that so-called fiction. Peace.